McGregor. And with each installation on this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts. Or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes, catch it on Stitcher Radio or other services along those lines on your smartphones or wherever you like. So secretly in my lab for the last several months, I have been messing around with making t-shirts. I personally had some that I wanted and I couldn't find anything like them anywhere, so I decided to just jump in and start doing it. So after some R&D and some ups and downs, you can now find a whole bunch of them on the website at thehermitslamp.com. Click on the shop button, and then you'll see a tab that says t-shirts, and you'll find some hoodies and other stuff in there. Soon to come will also be caps and other fun items. They include images of tarot cards, some craziness of my own invention, and my tribute to Hunter S. Thompson with my rare high-powered mutant Tetragrammaton hoodie. So go check them out if this is something you're into. And otherwise, enjoy the episode. I'll talk to you soon. So I am back here for another episode of the Hermit's Land podcast with my friend Jamie Elford, and we're going to be talking about what it's like to be a tarot reader and how, how I don't know, how we find our way as, as a person, as we're doing work with other people, as we're growing, as we grow our businesses and stuff, and, you know, just kind of talking about kind of almost like the personal side of, of what it's like to be a reader and an author and, and other things as that journey comes along. But uh, for people who don't know you, Jamie, what's, who are you? What's going on? Hi, my name is Jamie Elford, and I am a professional writer, tarot reader, editor, and graphic designer. I also fire dance occasionally. You can find me at www.innercompasstarot.com and on Twitter at um, Jamie underscore Elford. I... Basically, I do stuff. I do a lot of stuff. I write, I edit, I create things. I get involved in all sorts of projects. I help my friends out with their projects, and I have fun doing it. Mm -hmm. So, but like, when you say you do stuff, like, Mm -hmm. you write books for Los Garabeo, right? Yes, yes, thank you. I, um, yeah, um, I am addicted to the creative process and writing and designing things. Um, I got my English degree in back in 97, and I started doing technical writing. So I cut my teeth for the past 15 years or so doing technical documentation, writing manuals, test plans, et cetera, et cetera, for companies like Nike and Nautilus. And however, tarot has always been there. Um, under that. So after doing about almost 15 years in the, the business aspect of it, I quit to focus on myself and my own personal stuff, which includes urban fantasy fiction. But recently, definitely tarot, where I have written a lot of articles and essays and blog posts 
and whatnot on tarot. I'm currently working on editing a book of my own on tarot and my process and how I envision a holistic, uh, not to use Benabel Wen's term, holistic tarot, but I call it a tarot-inspired life. And about two years ago, I got the opportunity to start writing uh, the LWBs, the Little White Books, for many of Los Garbeos decks. And this year, I'm excited and nervous at the same time, my first tarot deck is going to be coming out um, called the Triple Goddess Tarot, or the Tarot of the Triple Goddess, and it'll be out in May. And that is being published with Los Garbeo. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, one of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation with Jamie is a few months back, we were having this conversation where I was sharing something cool that had happened. And Jamie was like, well, of course that happened. Like, you're, you're, you're famous. You're doing, you know, whatever. And I was like, no, 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 you don't know what to talk about. And then I turned the tables and said the same thing about Jamie's upcoming deck. And we sort of had this very funny moment where, I felt like all sense of perspective about where I was in my, in my work, in my career, in the world, kind of like sort of in this weird dance of not, not quite owning it, not quite having a sense of it. And, um, you know, sort of struggling to sort of make sense of kind of where, where I was at and what I was doing, you know? And, and I find that, you know, this year I had the first time where somebody recognized me in a coffee shop who listened to the podcast? Like, and they came up to me and they're like, are you Andrew McGregor from the Hermit's Lamp? And I'm like, yeah, like, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, oh, that's great. And then afterwards I was like, oh, you know, and, you know, and, and compare that against other, there are some other people that I, that I meet, and, you know, none of this is criticism of anybody who are just like so sure of where they are. and so like, you know, and, and, and perhaps wrongly sure of where they are. And this sort of weird, weird balance of like, how do you how do you make sense of where you're at? How do you how do you sort of keep showing up and keep working, but not not deny where you're at, but not get caught up in it either? That's a good question, and one that I ask myself quite a bit, especially right now. I'm working on a new um, a booklet for an oracle deck for Los Garbeo, and I you know have this thing in my head that says I'm fake. I think it's a huge part of the creative process where Um, For me, I just try and shove all the editorial voices, all those naysayer things in my head that says I'm fake, that I'm wrong, that I don't know my stuff, and I just have to push that out, and I brute force through the writing or the creative process of the thing first. Sometimes I've found that um, as I've gotten older, I get more and more procrastinative, where um, if I don't have hard deadlines or even deadlines that I can have other people impose on me, I will kind of slack off until the last minute. But I just find that brute force for me, keeping my head down, trying to stay true to the um, intent of the project. If you don't know what that intent is, kind of crystallize what the intent is first and then put your head down and write what I like to call the shitty first draft. And you just brain dump everything out on on paper first and then you can revise it for later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely find that for me, um, the creative process is all about um, just making making it happen, right? Like just showing up and, you know, showing up, making art, showing up and, uh, you know, somebody, some, some productivity person I used to listen to said about writing that, um, 
the the job of a writer is to make the clickety clack sound on the keyboard as often and for as long as possible you know and and i find that like that's that's really important for me and um yeah how how do you find do you get distracted by other people's stuff like do you ever look at something and be like oh man i'm not doing that or i should be doing this or wow they had the best idea or what, what do you think um i do um i try hard not to you know it's hard especially with the tarot community since we're all close-knit and kind of a lot of us are close-knit and we i buy everything that's out there because i like to a support my friends and i'm just a junkie for the knowledge and everybody's perception sometimes i find it is hard like um working on my book there have been a couple other books that came out i'm like oh man that's exactly what i was trying to say and yet they done it more succinctly so i find that especially in editing i have to try and set all those books aside or all that information and just kind of work on my own thing and try and be true to what i've got however i will say that in talking to a lot of my friends and other writers um that i have we there is no real original idea anymore. It's just to me, I look at it as lending my perception on the topic, whether it's tarot or a new story or something. It's, it's people um, hopefully will buy a book from me or a book from you, Andrew, because of what unique perspective we have on the cards or our own life and how that shapes our ability to be as readers or authors. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, I, th- I think it totally does. Um, yeah, I, I often, um, I, I spend less and less time on social media these days, um, mm-hmm. partly partly because I need the time dedicated to writing books and, and doing the stuff that I'm doing right now, and, and partly because I can get really caught up in, in this stuff, and they're, they're like, you know, um, I'm running a Sigil Magic class in a couple weeks, which is awesome, and I'm super excited too. And I know there are like two or three other people that I know who I admire, who are, who are running or planning to run such a magic courses over the, like the next period of time, you know? And, and, and there's this thing where I'm like, I can't even look at that stuff. Cause then I'll start thinking about like me and them. And I get this like com- comparative mind going and mm-hmm. it's like, man, it's so unhelpful. I'm like, I just got to show up. I just got to do my stuff, you know? And, it is. Uh, that's hard. That's one of my biggest problems is that I'm, I, I try to I get, it's very easy to get sucked into the comparison game. And I try very hard not to. So, so I, you know, I, I look at what I do and how I help others in either writing or spearheading their stuff as the cheerleader. I, you know, I will, I love writing with other friends. I love having that collaborative ability to yell out a question and have like 15 different perspectives on something that you've written, but it's, it's a cheerleading thing for me. It's a, you know, how can I help you become the best person or the best author and make your work the most authentic and I can have the same for me. Mm-hmm. And you just got to shut that stupid comparison beast inside the head out because it's, it's so easy to fall into that. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and I, I find more and more as time goes on that uh, it becomes like becomes about it almost becomes about not listening to anybody in some ways, you know. Like I, I, unlike you, I I don't read anything to speak of. Um, I don't collect decks. I don't 
you know, like, I mean, I hang out with people on the podcast and have a lot of conversations. Um, I have a certain amount of private conversations with people and I have conversations when I go to conferences and stuff like that. So it's not that I'm not uh, connecting and learning from other people because I am, but, but I'm not really reading stuff, you know, like I, I read, I read, I read a book for like the first time in maybe six months the other day, you know, and, and it just, it just never really happens. And, and it's not that this stuff isn't interesting, but I find that um, while, while there may not be any original thoughts as such, I find that too much consumption of other stuff trickles through into my creative process in a way that I'm like, I, I, I feel it's foreignness, but I can't extricate it. And I lose perspective on it as I'm working on things. I like that. That's a completely new perspective for me. And I'm going to have to meditate on that. I mean, I, I've always been a reader. It kind of goes hand in hand with writing where I find that reading books helps to see how other people's cadence works out and sentence structure and all that, which is why I became an English major. My, my minor's anthropology and that's, kind of where I see the tarot aspect coming into play is because I've always had this um, desire to understand where different belief systems come from, why we think the way we do and where that comes from. And the idea of culture and different cultural aspects bringing into it have just kind of overwhelmed and tied into all of this. And yeah. the way it, it influences everything. Like you, I'm trying to steer myself away a little bit more from the social media thing because it can be a huge time sink for us writers it's you know part of that procrastination thing where I do a writing group every Tuesday with friends and um, I had a friend of mine who was sitting next to me this past week she basically said that we could punch her if we, if we saw her on Facebook because <laughs> yeah she was like punch me if I'm on Facebook because I just need to start writing and she's one of those that gets into the research aspect of things so she'll start researching researching and then she'll slip into Facebook and start doing her other job type stuff and it's one of those where we have to try and keep each other you know focused on the task at hand otherwise we're never going to get anything published or done and you know I, I say published but I mean for me I like to complete a project I like to get share my opinions on things and try and have people understand where I've come coming from in the world and and see a little bit of um, my inner process or my inner mind type stuff and I find that for me writing and eventually getting published and being able to have a wider audience is is part of that equation for others I know that they just write for for fun and um, for themselves where they just mm. you know, their creative projects are kind of shared among a small few friends and that's that's good enough for them yeah, well, I think you got the other end of that spectrum too, which is people who are actively pursuing audience all the time, right? And, and you know, which is which is also another choice that people can make. And you know, and 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 then you get their headlines like, you know, I flipped a tarot card, and you wouldn't believe what happened next, right? You know, or whatever, right? Which is which is totally cool for people too. But yeah, it's it's interesting to me you know, this, the, the way in which creativity flows and stuff. And I find for me, um, it's about working to stay in the zone and stay in the groove, you know, mm -hmm. and like, um, you know, I, I totally got kicked out of the zone 
through December, you know, uh, my, my father-in-law was, was ill and then passed away in, in December and, and sort of the run up to that and whatever just derailed all my process time for the most part. And it became this matter of obligations in my life, which were absolutely important to taking up the time that I was doing or taking up the energy that I was applying to that, not leaving the space for other things. Right. And oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I've now, had the same thing, as you know, um, Andrew and I have been talking off, you know, podcasts and stuff, but in the past year, I lost my father, too, and that was in August of 2016. He lost his battle, a year and a half battle with cancer, and that derailed my life for the past year and a half, and I'm just now trying to get everything back on track to where I feel like I've got another writing practice and cycle and everything, so the, you know, it's hard when you're hit with adversity or, um, um, I can't think of the other word, you know, when you, tragedy, you know, when yeah, you get, for sure. tragedy strikes, you know, it's, it's really hard to get back on the horse, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that I think is, um, uh, is, is interesting though, is when tragedy happens, I think it's, I think if it's possible, it's so helpful to stay in that stuff. I just listened to, um, I listened to a podcast called The Moment with uh, Brian Koppelman, who is a uh, movie writer and director. And uh, he had James Altucher, who is, I don't know what to call him. He's a coachy type guy <laughs> on, but they, he had him on because they were friends. And, and Brian had sort of lost his clarity about what doing a podcast was about in light of the fall's U.S. election, Right. And in, in light of what, what does this mean? And, you know, if you, if you Google the moment, you can certainly find it. It was very interesting to sort of see how, how he mirrors my own process of like, you know, life comes up and like, oh, what does this mean? Why am I doing this? And ultimately the, the answers are kind of always the same because I'm doing it because it's good. I'm doing it because it's important. I'm doing it because of, a creative need. It's the same reason I do the podcast. You know, I do the, I do my podcast to have uh, what I hope are helpful and interesting conversations with people who are out there living in an engaged and spiritual life in the world. Right. You know, and I think Mm -hmm. that, I think that the more we can see that in the way that you were talking about, you can learn from looking at the writing that people do and the way they write, you know, I feel like I learn from, people's stories and hearing and engaging their stories. Um, my writing has gotten better, but is, is atrocious. And I don't even understand grammar as anybody who uh, <laughs> has ever worked as an editor for me can attest to. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't really read writing in the, in the way that you're speaking about it, but, but I, but I'm learning continuously from people's stories, which is, um, you know, really fruitful for me for sure. Yeah, I think that's what it boils down to for all of us. I mean, I create because I'm driven to create. And I once was asked, why? Why do you want to be published so much? Why do you want to write all this stuff? And that completely blocked me as well, because it's like, there is no real answer to any whys. I used to get hung up on why. Why is this, you know, you can almost say, why is the sky blue? And you can, there's a scientific answer, but... That well, don't, don't you write because you want everybody to think you're amazing and to wear a fancy crown and uh, 
dude, I'm the grand poobah of tarot. Everybody should bow down and worship me. You know? <laughs> so I had a friend of yeah. mine that told me to write from that authority, though, where I, it's hard for me to actually kind of look at myself as an authority. Sometimes I, I, I if, if you've ever gotten an email from me or you look at my Twitter page or anything that I kind of put out there, I, I have this um, word that a friend of mine, um, I used to call myself a dork. Like, I'm just silly, I'm weird, I'm a dork, I'm a spaz. But these days and age, I, I picked this word up from my friend Liz Sinova, and I'm a wackadoodle. I just, I'm silly, I'm kind of irrelevant, I'm flippant, and it's really hard for me to take myself seriously and see myself as an authority, even though I want to be that authority. It's just that I Even though you're a, a multi-time published author in big publications and yeah, and many decks and... With, yeah. Teach at conferences and yep. yeah, I know. I'm just I look at myself and I'm I'm a junkie for that stuff. I love to I I learn so much out of teaching classes as much as I teach. Um, a lot of my classes I call them experiments. Like this year for the Northwest Terror Symposium, um, May third through fifth, two thousand seventeen, here in Portland. Plug plug shameless plug. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be teaching one of the classes um, that came about from just asking the question, how come tarot readers are so against drinking and reading? Uh And so this class is called Imbibe and Divine, and it's a safe space where we can have two, up to two drinks, mostly wine, you know, for me, and then just share readings and actually see where the power is in reading for those who have imbibed or if you've imbibed Uh and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's just, I learn so much from people. I get new perspectives and, you know, I love that type of stuff. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, I think that writing and teaching is definitely a way in which I learn about myself mm-hmm. and I, in which I understand what I mean more because it's so easy to, to sort of have this sense that we understand. Like I, I have my idea of who I am or how I read or whatever. And then when you have to like actually put it in words, you have to actually explain it or in a conference setting where you get to hang out with other people. You know, I remember, I remember going to the first conference I went to, um, which was a tarot con in Dallas four years ago or so. And I'd had very little connection with the tarot world kind of prior to this. And I just thought what I did was what everybody did. And then I went and went and hung out with people. I'm like, Oh, actually nobody's really doing what I'm doing or how I'm doing it, you know, because I came, it came into reading out of a uh, profoundly magical background and, you know, and spent a lot of time just hanging out with folks from the Caribbean and reading for them and, and stuff. It's such a, such a different blend and approach, you know? So I think that that, that, that is so helpful to gain those perspectives and stuff. No, well, and it's also good to know that you're connected to something bigger than yourself. You know, um, I, I, my first um, conference was the Bay Area Tarot Symposium, like I think 2007 or something. And that opened up my eyes to the idea that, hey, I can teach or I can do stuff and look at all these different techniques and gosh, you know, all this stuff that I can now draw from because even in readings, I, I even even doing this podcast, I tend to, and in my writing, all my creative process, I tend to flail around a bit first, like, oh my God, what am I doing? Ah, you know, how's this going to work? That, that, for everyone who's listening, that was exactly the conversation 
you know, Jamie agreed to this because I asked, but it was like, so what are we <laughs> going to talk about? Like, what, what does this even mean? I don't, what, what are you getting at? <laughs> That's kind of my process when I'm given something new and I don't know how to deal with it first. I kind of flail around real quick. I spaz out. I run around maybe going like the sky is falling type of thing. And then I sit down and I go, no, what can I do? What, how is this going to work? And then I sit down and I get more into it. And it's, you know, like any creative process, you know, you, you have your stages and you learn how to get through them and stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, one of the other things that I think is really interesting about being a creative person and putting stuff out is, um, is also this question of like, what happens if nothing happens? You know, like what, what is it? You know, I, um, I remember, like, when I published my first deck, I was like, I'm going to run, like, 200 copies, and we'll see what I can sell, right? And and I didn't really expect a lot. Mm-hmm. And then and then sort of, like, intermittently stuff happens with it, but I still have, like, 70 copies kicking around somewhere, you know? Like, mm-hmm. And it's this thing where I'm like, it's such a, I think it's such a great idea, and everybody who, like, talks about it, like really likes the idea and likes the art and whatever, but it never really kind of took off in a way that I was kind of hoping that it would, you know? And, and it's so easy to get caught up in that too, right? Like what, what does it mean that like, I didn't sell them out? What does it mean that like, you know, yeah, whatever. Right. You know, for me, I don't have those thoughts. Um, because I haven't really, you know, had that feeling of actually publishing my own true deck. As a, as a, I, I consider myself a staff writer for Los Garabeo, which means they assign me a project, I write, and then it's done. It's like, hey, look, I helped birth the deck, you know. And I, but for me, I, yeah, there there have been places where, um, I guess for me, in publishing stuff and getting things out there, like in the books, like in tarot experience or whatnot, I just hope somebody learns something from what I've written or understands again understands a little piece of the world that I've been trying to build and whatnot um then again I I don't have a lot of I don't have a dedicated tarot or magical writing group that I go to so when I go to my writing group and I say I published something in tarot and they're like hey that's great I don't get the you know the, the feedback of you know well your deck could have been like this or your writing could have been like this type of a thing so it's kind of like you know it goes into that thing where um I get I get praise and I get the cheerleading from non-people in our community but as mm-hmm. I'm publishing more and more in the community and I get more and more friends going I pre-ordered your deck I'm like oh god what if it's screwed up what if I you know <laughs> they don't get it they hate it or something so I am feeling a little bit more of that but I, I'm finding that one of the things that I I'm, I need to talk to Lois Garbeo to see if I can do this, but I'd like to write a, um, some blog posts leading up to that to talk about my philosophy of the deck mm-hmm. and you know why I did certain things the way I did. Um, for the listeners that don't know kind of their process, Lois Garbeo asks me to write a deck. They give me a character count, which is not words, but actual each individual character in space because um, when you create an LWB or, or an actual deck, um, obviously the box is tiny. You have limited space for the booklet that goes inside. So you have to learn how to write compressed. With the Tarot of the Triple Goddess, I was given a character count of 20,000 uh, 20, characters for the long text, which is their English version. 
And that's not a whole lot of characters. That's no. literally like maybe five pages of eight and a half by 11. And so you have to distill down what meanings are the philosophy of your deck. And if you're giving a spread or two or there, you know, extraneous stuff in there, you really have to distill it down. So there's not a whole lot in there that talks about, you know, I had all these ideas of writing stories about each card, building up the world for it, talking about my philosophy and whatnot. No, you can't do that. There is so much little space that you're, you know, you can't have these grandiose ideas in it. And mm -hmm. so I hope that um, by writing blog posts about it, people will understand the deck and have a resource to get them further into the deck when they look at it and they go, wow, this kind of, this, you know, LWBs kind of are mumbo jumbo in a way, but they have a structure and they do make sense. Uh -huh. So I guess, yeah, going back to the original question, my, my biggest fear right now is, oh God, people are going to hate this. You know, am I a fake? You know, did I, you know, how, how well is it going to be received? Yeah. That's well, and that's always it, right? So when everybody listening goes and buys this deck, make sure you, uh, Give it a positive rating. Send Jamie some fan mail, okay? If you don't like it, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> if you don't like it, write Andrew. No. <laughs> you can write me. I'll, uh, oh. I'll, I'll, I'll recycle those, yeah. No, I, I like, here's the thing about me though in my writing process, I like the, we talk about like the old editorial pen being red, you know, well, I like people that read my stuff to make it bleed. Tell me what you didn't like, tell me what you don't understand, what really sucks, because that's mm -hmm. the only way we're really going to be better at what we do is when we're, you know, told. I mean, it's good to have being told the good things. I do want to know if I've hit my mark, but at the same time, if something doesn't make sense, tell me about it so I can try and figure out how I can reword it so it makes clearer sense and people have a better deep, and deeper understanding of it. So yeah, mm -hmm. You know, I tell people, make it bleed, make my stuff bleed, hack it in part, slash it, show me how I can be better. And do you just roll with that or do you like cry into your coffee for a while first and then roll with it? No, I roll with it. Um, do you? I, yeah, I, I'm, I've learned through, um, so there's this greatest thing out there every November, um, thousands of people over the world maybe millions at this point, I don't know, um, do something called NaNoWriMo, N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O. NaNoWriMo means National Novel Writing Month. And it's been going on for over 15 years. It might be 20 years, I can't remember. I stopped doing it after my 12th year. But it's, a, it's where you write a 50,000 word novel in 30 days in November. And for most of us on the North American coast, you know, we have all these different holidays and everything. For America, we have Thanksgiving. But what it is, it's a, it's a challenge to write a complete first draft of a novel in 30 days. And it is doable. I, I've, I've won it all 12 years that I've done it. I was a municipal liaison, which meant I cat herded people in Vancouver, Washington, where I used to live, to I cheerleaded them. I helped them. I led sessions to help them do um, get their noveling done so that they can feel it and whatnot. And the first year it's that, can I do it? I, before then I had never written anything longer than like 5,000 words of a story or anything. And I wrote a horrible story, first draft, but I did it. Second year was like, you know, is this a fluke? Was that first year? Was that all, you know, one book? Was that all I had in me? 
second year you do it, you're like, wow, I, I got this. Something happens around the third through the fifth years that you do this. You learn to kill off your inner editor. You, you put a sock in its mouth, you stuff it in the closet, mm-hmm. and you just write stuff. So for me, um, I've learned to kind of, when I sit down and write a shitty first draft, I box the inner editor up. I tell him, you go sit over there, you go drink hot chocolate, or you know, here's a, a cat or a dog, go play with it. And I just write the stuff the stuff out of my mouth because in nano it's all about quantity not quality because the quality comes when you edit stuff and you revise and you revision and all that other um second level writing type stuff so i have no issues with people ripping into my stuff anymore because i know it's only going to make it better that's awesome yeah yeah i i i'm usually pretty good about it Sometimes, mostly, when when I started writing, I used to be the uh, the most terse speaker ever. I would write the most like dense sentence, and I'd be like, "Oh, it's perfect, it's done." <laughs> so it's, for for me, it's been a matter of like taking things and expanding them, and learning to learning to sort of flush ideas out more. And so, you know, mo- most of the like, yeah, like what, criticism is usually is usually fine for me too in that sense, because most of the time it's like, dude, I can tell you're getting at something, but I, I, I need more words or I need a word. Um, mm-hmm. Or it's like, yeah, you gotta like make a couple sentences out of this again, but they're like not actually being good at grammar or good at uh, speaking English properly. So I, so I just got to kind of roll with it in that sense. Um, as a recovering technical writer, I, I feel your pain because when you, do a lot of technical documentation, instructions, or procedural stuff. It is. It's you got to be clear and concise. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, why say it in five sentences when one sentence will do? Well, that doesn't fly in our world of you know tarot writing and you know making sure people understand. And there's so many different viewpoints of or ways of learning where people might you know if you just say that one statement, they're going to be like, I need more. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be like, Ah, what else can I add? So. Totally. I'm, I'm totally trying to work on re- honing my voice, trying to ma- refine it, make sure that I'm giving people everything, all the, the rounded tools set that they need to understand exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It's all fun. I love the English language. I hated, in, in junior high, I had, a, I had the same English instructor for three years, which in, in my school district, you weren't supposed to have that. But I think it's because I had such a good grasp of uh, language and reading and whatnot. I was reading adult books when I was um, in third grade that they had to put me in the the highest, you know, English everywhere. And she, for three years, she made us diagram sentences. Hmm. I hated diagramming sentences. I had no, I was like, why do we have to do this? Who cares? You know, you just write and it, there's a sentence. But as I look back, as everything I've done from writing to editing to helping other people write and whatnot, you know, ghost um, writing other people's stuff, I realized that those lessons really ingrained in me how to be a better writer or a better editor. And I have a lot to thank for that, even though I hated it at the time. When you're when you're reading cards, do you feel like it comes through there too? Um. Yes and no. Yeah. Um, 
I can see sometimes with my creative process that, that the original kind of spazziness of being hit with everything at once. So if I um, do a, like a three to a five card reading, it's like you lay each card down and there's that instant moment of, oh my God, what if I get this wrong? Or, you know, I, sometimes I get hit with a lot of information at once and I have no idea where to start. So sometimes I sit there and I have to take a deep breath and go, okay, let's start here and then work our way on. And then sometimes um, I get so excited or into the reading where it's like words just tumble out of my mouth and they don't make sense because it's like you're trying to shove so many symbols and so much information through and it just comes out raw. And is that like intuitive and received kind of stuff or is that like just cognitive process all emerging at the same time or how how is that working for you? I think for me, it's a a mix of both Mm -hmm. Um, because I can't identify half the time where some of the stuff comes to me. You know, it's like I have Mm -hmm. my standard set of meetings where if I get a card, let's say I get like the ace of wands or something. I'm like, okay, this is the, you know, I'll name the card. I'll point to it. This is ace of wands. The, you know, wands belong to this suit. This is what they kind of represent the numbers of this, the elements. But sometimes I get like just weird information that comes through. Like I had a reading uh, a couple of months ago where it was a relationship type reading and I got two cards and I was like, they, 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 you know, by themselves, they don't mean anything, but together I was like, you know, I'm sensing desiring a, a pregnant, you know, an actual pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of blurted out to that person saying, you know, if you're trying to have children right now, if you have a partner or whatnot, now would be the time because these two cards, for some reason, are getting the vibe of pregnancy or something. Mm-hmm. And, did, and did it go? <gasps> no, I think they, you know, for me, a lot of the people, they, they just, they have their poker faces on and they just kind of sit there and they nod. And then only when you're done with the reading, do they tell you at that moment, you know, yeah, we have been thinking about having children or something, you know. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, I also did one where I did predict a, a marriage. Uh, you can tell the couple was happy and whatnot. And I said, well, you guys look like you're ready to be married. And they just kind of grabbed each other's hands and looked at each other. And I knew I was spot on at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I find for for me, it's almost like I just need to like, step into the stream and just start going you know and it's true it's true with writing it's true with making art it's true with reading the cards it's about just finding my entry point and rolling gotcha i liken um the tarot reading more and more these days to the storytelling process like you said find an entry point tell the story see what threads come out and hopefully your client walks away with some tidbit of information that leaves them better or more prepared to deal with the situation they came to you from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Which is well, kind of the same. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, which is the same process. I find I do my, my tarot creations. I look at every deck as a world and I'm there to help create the world around it. And you know, whatever LWB I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and hopefully this conversation has been a, something that's been interesting and people can find some stuff in because I think, um, I, th- I think it's important, you know, and I think that often, often when I'm thinking about the 
the podcast and thinking about conversations I want to have. They're, they're very straightforward conversations, but they're very essential to like what's going on and what goes on on many levels in many areas for people. So, yeah. But I want to thank you for making some time, hanging out with me. Um, remind people where they can find you, please. Sounds good. Thank you for having me, Andrew. My name is Jamie L. Ford. That's J-A-Y-M-I. Alford, E-L-F-O-R-D. You can find me on Twitter at, at Jamie underscore Alford. You can find me at www.intercompasstarot.com. And I am on Facebook, but I've been trying to spend uh, less time there. So I, I mostly interact with the groups rather than the wall. But you can find some of my writings in the Cartomancer magazine. You can find me in Los Garbeo's Tarot Experience, which um, the Kickstarter backers have received their copies. And I think the book is coming out to the general public in February. Uh, my tarot deck, the Tarot of the Triple Goddess, will be out in May. I'm still working on the edits to my book. I feel like I've been so behind on that. And anywhere You can really, find both of us at the Northwest Tarot New- Symposium in, uh, in March. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll both be, well, I'll be out there. Jamie's already out there. Um, but yeah, come up and say hi and hang out. Totally. We're going to have a lot of fun at the at Portland's Northwest Tarot Symposium. And mm. thanks again for having me. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, I greatly appreciate it. And if you can do me a favor by giving us a review in iTunes, by hitting one of the share buttons in whatever way you're getting a hold of this, by letting people you know who would be excited to hear these kinds of conversations know that the podcast exists, that would be fantastic and much appreciated. And either way, thank you for listening.